0: Hey there, Drabonis. My name is Charlie, and I'm one of the hosts of Rock Talk, along with my buddy Jordan. First off, thanks for listening. Secondly, Rock Talk can be enjoyed in any order you want. We put out episodes every Thursday. But we suggest that you listen to the newest episodes first, and you could eventually work your way back to these early episodes if you want to see how this whole thing got started. Trust me, the newer ones are better in terms of audio quality, format, and frankly, my and Jordan's talent level. Again, thanks so much for listening. Now, on the show.
1: Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the roles of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile, and today we are discussing The Game Plan, family-friendly 2007 comedy about an NFL quarterback discovering that he has an 8-year-old daughter. Charlie, I cannot wait to get into this movie. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right. Uh, We got two Disney movies in a row. Our third family-friendly movie in five episodes. You know, people can vote on these, so this is what they want. They want more family fun.
1: The people want family fun. What can we say? <laughs> uh, so, we've, I know we've got a, a little bit of news this week. So, uh, what's, uh, what's America's Golden Boy up to this week, Charlie?
0: Uh, DJ had a pretty busy week this week. Um, first of all, this was announced yesterday, I believe. Um, Neve Campbell is joining uh, the 2018 movie Skyscraper. It's a movie that's in pre-production right now, uh, but it's, it's going to be starring The Rock, uh, where he plays like basically a building inspector and has to save his family from a burning building. But anyway, so she's more of like a heavyweight. You can see her. I think she's in House of Cards as a series regular. She's been around the business for a long time. So that's some news on a an upcoming Dwayne Johnson movie.
1: Well, that's – so Neve Campbell, I just have to say, my favorite movie series outside of Fast and Furious is the Scream series. And Neve Campbell, I think, crushes every single movie. Oh, right. She's – my, my all-time favorite movie is Scream 2. Uh, no lie. That's your
0: all-time favorite movie. All
1: ta- I can watch that. That movie, That's a movie I can watch at any time mm-hmm. if it comes on cable TV. Scream 2 is just a a gem of a movie. It's a sequel that's better than the original. It's overlooked, underappreciated, and she shines brilliantly. So I actually can't wait to see this movie.
0: There's not many sequels that are better than than the original. I can think of like Godfather 2, Toy Story 2, Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, Scream 2. (laughs) (laughs) Bet on it, my friend. (laughs) Uh, The next piece of news we have is a viral video. This got a lot of play. The Rock, you know, Instagrammed this video earlier this week of a man, a truck driver, who stopped his truck in the middle of traffic to jump out to Dwayne Johnson's car and get a picture with him. It's pretty funny. The but The Rock seems a little bit nervous during this movie. You know, this guy, uh, he's got his window down, and this guy's uh, on the side of his car trying to take a picture with him. And the whole time he's saying. Uh, hurry up and take it because I don't want you getting hit. Yeah, yeah. The, r- the Rock is stressed out in this video. I mean, it speaks so much to
1: the kind of guy he is and the kind of celebrity he is that he's willing to take this, let this kind of thing happen in in traffic. But you're, you're so right. He is, he is
0: nervous. He's a little nervous. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? If I were a celebrity, that's great. I don't think I would do that because in my head, that would only be encouraging people to do that more.
1: Yeah, I, oh, I, the last thing I want are people coming up to me in traffic to take selfies. That's Right,
0: somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah, come on, Dwayne. More news. Speaking of buckling up, there are set pictures from uh, the upcoming movie Rampage, and it looks like this movie is going to star the 2004 Ford Bronco concept. You know, I love cars, and this is a concept that's famous. It's been around, obviously, for a while now, and you'll see some like fake news articles every once in a while about, ooh, Ford is bringing the Bronco back, and this is what it's going to look like. Uh, You know, that's not true. They're not going to put that into production. But it is a really, really cool concept car, and it's just perfect for the rock because it's big enough for him to fit in, and it's also rugged enough for his personality. It's really cool. If you haven't seen it, just Google 2004 Ford Bronco concept. It's great because a lot of times concept cars don't even drive. So it's kind of cool that Ford's been keeping this up for you know, 13, 14 years.
1: So I'm confused by this. So I, I don't really, is, is this is not the original Ford Bronco?
0: No. Correct. The original Ford Bronco was a two door SUV from the seventies, um, with a removable hard top. Everybody loved them. They're really collectible right now, but at the same time, that kind of car doesn't make a ton of sense with, you know, Jeep Wranglers for the most part, monopolizing that segment of the market, but Ford did announce a few months ago that they will be bringing back the Bronco name uh, at some point in the future. So it probably won't look like this cool car, but it's probably a strategic move by Ford to get that name in people's heads again.
1: Big win for Ford. Big win for fans of the OJ Simpson chase. (laughs) Big win for The Rock. There is so much of this movie to break into. I almost think it's worth just jumping into it. What do you think? Do we I think I mean I think this is a movie worth sinking our teeth into a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean just first thoughts. What did you think? I mean, for me, it's a Disney movie, so there's always going to be some kind of enjoyment, I think somewhere just because Disney is the best in the business at making kids movies. But even so, this one was a little bit of a chore.
1: See, I have to disagree. I found myself laughing from start to finish of this movie. I I have to tell you I my emotions were everywhere. I was laughing. I was crying. I genuinely enjoyed uh both the rock's performance and his love interest in this movie and the the daughter will t- we'll talk more about the daughter. I think she had some ups and downs, but I kind of she she gave me what I expected for a movie of this ilk. and like we said, the plot there's not a lot going on in this plot. This is a an NFL it's quarterback. Right. Seemingly. (laughs) From the outside.
0: It's a basic plot, but there's so much setup. I mean, we'll get to that, but you can just at least give the log line of the movie.
1: So just from a very basic level, Dwayne Johnson plays quarterback Joe Kingman. Uh, He's an NFL quarterback who finds out that he has an eight-year-old daughter from a previous relationship and hilarious
0: uh, hijinks ensue. That's all it is. But yet this movie is almost two hours long.
1: Yeah, it could it could have been much shorter. But I have to say a lot of I don't know, I found it to be a very enjoyable movie for for what it was.
0: After the first 45 minutes, I can agree with you on that. Um, But this movie is sort of notable in a lot of different ways rather than just being a Disney movie. Um, This is the last movie that Dwayne Johnson was credited as The Rock at all in any movies. Um, You know, he had basically three phases of his career. He had The Rock. He had Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and then now we just know him as Dwayne Johnson. So this movie is the end of the second phase of his movie career, and you know what? It works for me. Uh, I think he actually does a really good job of being in this movie. Is I think most of the problems were script problems.
1: Yeah, the writing, the writing's all over the place. The Rock definitely gave it his all, and I do think it's interesting. We, you mentioned that this is really kind of a transitional point in his career, I mean, you look at the movies he did before this. Uh, you have Doom, The Scorpion King, Southland Tales, Great Iron Gang. It's 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 a lot of action-heavy, action-adventure-heavy titles. So, and then after the game plan, you know, his next movies include Get Smart, Race to Witch Mountain, Planet 51, and The Tooth Fairy. So, from 2007 to 2010, he's working strictly in family-friendly PG-13 to at, at most uh, type of comedy film. So it is kind of an interesting stage in his career. And it's when we get a lot of these iconic for better or worse uh, moments.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just realized that I had said that it was between the second and third phases of his career. Sorry, I misspoke. This is between the first and second before this movie. He was uh, the rock. And then starting with this movie, he was Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Absolutely. Sorry for misspeaking there. Um, another notable thing about this movie is that it was a huge success. This, I mean, it only cost $22 million to make this movie, which is, you know, uh, a decent amount of money. But when you're talking about Disney movies and their budget, and this is nothing. So uh, he turned $22 million uh, in the budget into $146 million at the box office. That is huge. They made their money seven times over. Yeah. This and- movie... Even though it's a a rated G movie, it opened at number one the weekend that it uh, came out. And and do not get it twisted. This is not the
1: case of of an excellent movie taking number one or a stellar cast helping propel it to number one. This is strictly Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, this and movie the is Disney
0: only... marketing machine.
1: Well, yes, absolutely. The fact that this is a Disney movie uh, for sure gave this the boost that it needed. But but I guess my I guess my point is this movie is is squarely upon his shoulders. There's no one else to take the load. You know, from, from act one to act three, he's in just about every single scene. That's true. I, I mean, he really, he handles the bulk of this movie, the jokes, the drama, the emotional portions. Like, They really just gave him full run to take command of this movie from start to finish.
0: And the critics noticed that, even though this movie only has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, you read a lot of the reviews and most of them have a problem with the script and it's not Dwayne Johnson. Actually, I was reading one earlier today that said, we need to start putting this man in better movies because he's great, but he's always stuck in these, you know, borderline B movies. Um, And so it looks like uh, this was really when people started to take him seriously as an actor, which is kind of funny to think about, uh, but this is kind of where it started.
1: And with that, Let's break this movie down, starting at Act 1. And like Charlie said, this movie did have a slightly slow start. So it's kind of a beefy Act 1. Bear with us uh, while we kind of break it down. There's a lot to to discuss. It starts off at the end of the NFL regular season with the old veteran quarterback Joe Kingman, played by Dwayne Johnson, leading his team to a playoff berth. Uh, This scene happens in a pivotal moment where he ignores an open receiver takes the glory, runs the ball in for himself for a touchdown. We'll come back to that later. This is a move met with a lot of criticism from ESPN talking heads and analysis who say that without a title, he's not going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. So essentially, we're led to believe that he's this diva persona on the football field, uh, extremely talented, but not a team player. We then see the way that Joe lives, and it should be noted that his catchphrase and nickname is Never Say No Joe. Uh, that movie takes about three minutes to establish that. Uh, we, we see the way that he lives, and it's in a luxury apartment in Boston. His girlfriend, we learn, is this beautiful but shallow French model. There's not a lot of character there. She never is really well-developed. He's very well-liked by his teammates, surprisingly. You know, we, all we've seen so far of him is that he's a self-absorbed athlete who doesn't pass to open teammates. Um, but what we see is that he's actually pretty well-liked. He's kind of the funny guy, the leader, the captain, so a pretty big presence on the field. The movie kicks off with him getting a call from his doorman. Uh, remember, he lives in this luxury apartment, so the, the the downstairs doorman calls him says that a cute girl is on her way up to his apartment. Thinking it's a beautiful woman, Joe agrees and says, send her on up. Instead, we find eight-year-old Peyton Kelly on his doorstep, who lets him know that she's his child. Surprise! and she was born after he split up with his ex-wife. She tells him that her mom is currently on a trip to Africa, and her only other relative, her aunt, died recently. So her mom dropped Payton off in Boston for a month uh, while she's off addressing this emergency in Africa. Despite Joe's immediate skepticism, he pretty much just takes this story on face value. He doesn't seem to like kids, and at first he struggles, and We'll break down a few of those scenes, but it culminates in Joe leaving Payton at a party, uh, which is like an opening for his new restaurant. It makes all the covers of the tabloids. It's a huge press disaster leading to a press conference uh, where Joe appears with his daughter Payton, a la Steph Curry, uh, in which Payton comes to his defense. Joe's agent at that point tells him that he needs to start fostering a a new, more fatherly family-friendly image in order to recover in the minds and hearts of the fans and the press.
0: Oof. oof, For such a simple tagline, this is just act one and there's so much going on. God, it's uh, a lot. It's a lot reading it. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, And I mean, not all of this is like super, super important, but you, I mean, you need to know, okay, we need to establish his prowess on the football field. We need to establish his personality. Uh, we need to see what his day-to-day life is, and then the sort of thing that sets off this whole chain of events is this eight-year-old girl showing up to, on his doorstep. It, it's a lot; it really is. So right out the right out the gate, I'm going to say I don't really love this child actress at all. I don't find her cute. I don't find her adorable.
1: Yeah, she's Bleh. she's definitely cheeky. That's, I think, the word I would use to describe her. This is Madison Pettis, who plays the daughter, Peyton Kelly. Yeah, you know, she's not adorable. She's not exceedingly... It's not like she is this cute little catchphrase-spouting Disney Channel child star clone. She kind of is a bad actress.
0: <laughs> well, That's- you know what it is? is She oversells everything, and... I haven't done any research into this actress, but it would not shock me if she was like a Broadway child actress.
1: You know, on stage,
0: you really have to amp up everything. And that's what she was doing in this movie. She is nothing if not animated. I mean, that much
1: is clear. This she's definitely she's punctuating everything with a wink, with uh, a huge smile and a wave or a curtsy or like a. An eyebrow roll. I, I will say she kind of is matching toe for toe the animated physicality of Dwayne Johnson, but yeah, but, it but it he does it a right. Yeah. That's the he just does it really well. And part of the you know the goof is that he is this huge adult.
0: What um, we need is Rudy from the Cosby show to time travel into this movie and take her place. Because I would love that. <laughs> that's what we need. Uh, that's a better, that's a to better fit. To Bill Cosby in the Cosby show. And everybody loved it. And this was sort of attempting the same sort of, uh, stunt and, you know, it got most of the way there. And for just a casual G rated Disney kids movie, it's fine. But is Disney okay with fine? I don't know. I'm going to let them decide. So
1: let's talk a little bit, though, about the fact that Joe just accepts that this is his child.
0: Yeah, there's really no cross-referencing at all. He just listens to her story. um, And at one point he says, well, let's get a paternity test. And then his agent was like, well, how old are you, little girl? She said, eight. How long ago did you split up with your ex-wife? About eight years ago. Okay, that's all the (laughs) investigation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Record scratch must be your daughter like that's it that's this entire movie is based on the premise of this one sentence of this guy who again up until this moment this guy is all about himself
0: i mean i can't believe this guy didn't just kick the kid out to the curb yeah or call the police or something she has a cell phone right She's yeah that's the other thing She just she, use a yeah, so... cell phone and call anyone there and be like hey what's going on Also,
1: this movie, so this is like, what, a 2007 movie. This girl is all about the selfie. And I think this might have been before selfies were really, I I would be willing to say she kind of is a a (laughs) vanguard of the
0: the selfie. Yeah, she's taken selfies this whole movie. You know what else she was really into? Bedazzling, which makes sense (laughs) because 2007 is about the height of Ed Hardy Ooh. So yeah, I uh, at one point, you know, Dwayne Johnson is walking out the door and he notices that she's bedazzled some like design on his shirt. And at first, I thought, oh, this is like a period piece. He's just wearing Ed Hardy, <laughs> but it, you know, he notices that it's. Uh, you know what? Kind of it turn. it
1: actually looked fine. I was I actually fine through, with the bedazzle. She,
0: honestly, should quit this ballet garbage and get into design because she's freehanding all this stuff.
1: Right, I guess
0: flower bedazzlers. She clearly has talent.
1: Yeah, and the the work she did on that football was just silly impressive.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot about the MVP football. I was (laughs) I was watching this uh, movie with our friend Helena, and after he picks up the the bedazzled football, she goes. Is an MVP football a thing? Was, no. No. As far as I know, it's not a thing.
1: No. The only time game balls are handed out are in little league. Like that's or the su- only.
0: The Super Bowl. Like maybe, maybe you get the game ball MVP, like Super Bowl MVP. But clearly, he's never won uh, mm-hmm. a championship. They can't use the word Super Bowl. They can't use any real NFL NFL teams because apparently, before this movie uh, was put into production. There talks broke down between Disney and the NFL to use team licenses. So originally he was supposed to play for the Patriots. Oh, see, that that,
1: that makes sense because I did find it a little bit jarring because this movie has ESPN all throughout. It. And it, isn't that because ESPN is under the Disney family?
0: Uh, yeah, ESPN and ABC are both owned by Disney.
1: See, and that was a really cool touch. I mean, you have like Stuart A. Scott. Uh, mm-hmm. Giving interviews and
0: all these people that are basically contractually obligated to be in this movie.
1: <laughs> but it kind of grounds it in some sort of realism. But then every single time they show the football field or mention a yes. football name, it throws yeah. you so far out of the reality of this film.
0: Well, uh, similar to, I don't know if Like Mike was a Disney movie, but they were able to use some team licenses. But for some reason, you know, Lil Bow Wow is playing, I think, on his team's like the Knights. Or something, but they're playing the Knicks and the Lakers. Mm. So why not just put him on a real team? I don't know. Right. Why does he have to be on the fake? Yeah. But I, Honestly, I love it. Put Lil Bow Wow in this movie. jeez. <laughs> I love it when sports movies have to come up with fake professional team names. <laughs> and these are some of the best ones. So it's the Boston Rebels. I didn't, didn't really notice any other ones besides the, uh, what are they? The, uh, the New Dukes. York Dukes. <laughs> the Dukes? Are
1: you kidding me? Well, it it's it's fitting that you don't notice any other ones because even though he's a star football player, the only actual football action takes place within the twenty yard line about two or three times in this movie. The rest of it is strictly in montages. Lot yeah. of montages in this
0: in this film.
1: Can uh, we talk about
0: uh Dwayne Johnson's appearance here? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I okay. Honestly, I think he might look the best in this movie because it's before he got super, super beefy. Because when I was reading up on this movie, movie before I watched it, I was like, there's no way that he's ever going to pass for a quarterback. He's way too muscular. But then when you see him, he looks like kind of slim down and just trim. And, you know, uh, when he starts running around with the football, I kind of bought it. Yeah, he, he looks fast, he looks just like a
1: normal strong person would look. And then in the moments where you need him to to look huge, like the ballet scene that we'll we'll get to a little bit later, he does look huge. He looks appropriately jacked in those moments. So it's funny that he's able to play this he I mean, and again, he looks good in the normal clothing. He wears yes. like regular clothes in this movie, just regular sweaters. And yeah. you know, just and this jeans. Is something
0: this is something we've talked about before, but people it seems like people think that he is a sexy man or a handsome man and that's something that never really clicked for me because in my head he's like a superhuman person and uh attractiveness doesn't really factor into the equation but in this movie you know i'm watching with helena she turns to me and says i get it in this movie well lest we forget that helena
1: also has a shack thing so this <laughs> this is very on brand for Helena. I'm I'm not surprised at all.
0: <laughs> she likes large athletes.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's she's into the beefy beefy athletic studs.
0: He also has the most hair that he's ever had.
1: Oh yeah, this That I've seen him with. We were he's surprised in the Tooth Fairy when he had hair. hair. Right. This is way more. This is like a full wavy.
0: a full head. <laughs> it's a little on the longest uh longish side. He's able to sweep it back. Um, I've either I've pretty much only ever seen him with a buzz cut, bald, or the weird Hercules hair. Right. Oh my god. Um, but this I, is the first time he is like normal hair.
1: I I have to say I did find it weird that he has all this hair in this movie, and yet in his apartment he has a gigantic, huge poster of himself, um, where he's bald, like a gigantic bald photograph of himself. So I don't know when they put that in. That might have been a post-production. I'm confused by the choice there. But also it's weird just to have a gigantic bald painting of yourself in your own house. I mean mean,
0: that's just bludgeoning us over the head with the fact that he's self-absorbed, right?
1: Yeah, they're just laying it on thick at this point. Also, I got to say, I I think we have to mention that he actually – the Rock was a football player, which is just an important fact in the universe – Uh, of this movie and and as him as an actor and the decision to
0: get this role he he
1: played football at Miami
0: right yeah he was a defensive tackle which is not a quarterback um (laughs) but uh yeah he definitely has some experience on a football field I know he's been in a few football movies this one in gridiron gang so uh yeah that I mean it made a lot of sense uh although we never actually see Dwayne Johnson throw a football in this movie it's always like him not really moving around in the pocket he'll like drop back and kind of just stand there and then you see kind of a little bit of motion and then you see the ball in the air that drove me insane I was pretty obvious
1: just give me one throw I mean he's this amazing MVP quarterback all-time great give me just one shot of the rock throwing a football
0: I've never seen him throw a football before
1: yeah, you, you know what? It, go, it remains to be seen if Dwayne Johnson has, is actually capable of throwing a football.
0: We've got no proof of that. <laughs> One thing, uh, just trivia about this movie, he was sort of just practicing football either before the movie started filming or right after, and it had to be moved back a couple of months because he ruptured his Achilles just oh, training for this movie, that's which a is brutal. crazy. That's
1: a, that's a big injury.
0: But It's crazy that they were able to come back just a couple of months later.
1: Well, that's doing. Oh, Johnson. maybe that's why we didn't
0: see him move around.
1: <laughs> oh, you—that know, would explain it. That would definitely because
0: he is so stiff when they show him in action shots on the field. Yeah,
1: and and I will say the physicality of the movie. Well, I but you know at the same time maybe they film... I guess they might have filmed the ballet scenes early because he's definitely yeah, jumping he doesn't
0: around. Move around a ton in that either. He's there's, there's a lot of arm move. A lot of arm motion. A lot of over the head arms. <laughs> Uh, well, well, one last thing before we move on to Act Two. I've never lived in Boston. You have, Jordan. You went to Emerson. Yes. What's January in Boston like?
1: Oh, well, well, first of all, I can tell you that about from September to April, it's winter. <laughs> January is is nice and freezing every day of your entire existence.
0: And there's snow on the ground. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, constantly. <laughs> so all this, all this to say, uh, they make a point a few times in the movie of saying, well, it's January, and people are walking around outside in long sleeve shirts and light sweaters. <laughs> some people are walking around without any coat on. You, there's no sign at all that it's winter. I think you see some trees that are like leaves are falling. <laughs> That's amazing. I did so, not pick up on that at all. That was one of the first things I picked up on. I was like, it's definitely not January.
1: (sighs) Uh, Well, it wouldn't be the first or the last time this movie just gave no regard to to logic, real world logic. Moving into Act 2, if you recall, we just ended this press conference where Joe has agreed that he needs to have a new father friendly image. A big part of that is taking Peyton to ballet classes because that's something that you do with your newfound daughter uh at the same time that the that Peyton is in these ballet classes joe ends up striking a romance with the ballet teacher and that's Roslyn sanchez uh playing the role of monique vasquez and i thought she was stunning in this movie i have to say i don't know yeah, what she else she's great. been in but she was
0: but let me tell you if this movie was five years later that part would have been played by sofia vergara Oh, oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's is this, yeah, this one part where she breaks out into Spanish and it's like just burst out into Spanish while she's talking to somebody that clearly doesn't speak it um, because she's frustrated. And I'm like, oh, that's a real new take on a Latina. Might you call her spicy?
1: Yeah, This they were not uh, afraid to hit on any stereotypes in this movie. Uh, it's right up the middle with every single thing you could expect. Um, but at this time, they're having this – their romance is, is blooming and she shows him that ballet and football are basically one and the same uh, and as a result he and Dwayne Johnson uh, Joe ends up joining the production and starts you know working towards this this like end of class ballet recital back to the playoffs Peyton and Joe are now bonding despite their initial rough patch in in getting along with each other she sort of becomes a mascot for the team They all know her. She's out on the field while they're training. She's on the practices and getting to know the other players. There's this one guy named Cooper. We're gonna have to talk about because he's insufferable. Cooper Um, is the worst. He's just terrible. Decision. At the same time, Kingsman Joe Kingsman becomes a great father. He creates this huge bedroom for Peyton. Uh, It's like a huge princess, beautiful pink bedroom. Uh, he just he goes forward with performing in the ballet, and she's he does that with Peyton, and at that point they're inseparable. So it becomes less about him fulfilling a press recovery strategy to be father friendly, and actually he becomes a friendly father. However, the end of the month is nearing, and that means that Peyton's mother is coming back from Africa, uh, so their time together is about to be done. They go to their last dinner, and Peyton. Eats some nuts in her dinner, and apparently she's allergic to nuts, uh, leading to Joe running across a bridge holding Peyton to a hospital. uh, After which she barely survives, making local news uh, because and national news somehow because her African family her family member that is in Africa flies to the scene uh, of the hospital. This is where we learn it's actually her aunt who's been in Africa this whole time. And it's actually Peyton's mother, Joe's ex-wife, who had died six months ago in that car crash. The scene ends with Peyton deciding she wants to go back to living with her aunt.
0: Holy crap. There's just so many things that happen. Okay, yeah. So the whole red herring about the mom and the aunt, to me, I didn't really see that one coming at all. Uh, I figured that Peyton was lying about the reason she was in Boston, but I did not in a million years figured that she was lying about the fact that her own mother had died. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, God, it's, it's so clear that she's up to something. That part is made clear. She's always being secretive with the phone calls and we know that something's up, but I mean, to lie about your, this is within a year, her own mom,
0: six months, six months. I mean, so I- she's been living with, uh, Joe for a month and keeping up this ruse meanwhile her mom had only died six months ago as an eight year old as really any age you were you know, like you cannot you couldn't do it you could not live that lie for a month without saying something
1: no and and then it's it's odd in the way that the aunt comes back and is immediately aggressive towards Joe I mean, there's multiple because issues with this. Like, Joe should have called the police first and foremost when this all happened. So yeah. I, I kind of get some of it. At the same time, it's – well, I mean, again, the, the, the Peyton really pulled the wool over Joe's eyes. And it's not that Joe
0: – Over uh, Joe and the aunt because she told the aunt that she had been accepted into this ballet school in Boston and she had to go there for a month. So that was where the aunt thought she was. And she told Dwayne Johnson that the aunt was dead and that her mom dropped. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it wasn't needed. All she had to do was say, "My mom died. Uh, I live with my aunt, and she had she had to go to Africa." Yeah, be the same movie.
1: The mom be the same exact movie. It would be the same movie. Um, Can we talk a little bit about Peyton and Joe bonding? Just the whole se- series of them getting to become, like, friendly together. Because I think it's very strange. And it culminates in this crazy scene at I, what I assume is, like, an FAO Schwartz, like, toy store, but only for girls,
0: maybe? Was it
1: a girl it's, toy yeah, store?
0: Um, my It's probably the princess section of, like, a big toy store.
1: And there are just – I don't understand. First of all, I'm confused. It seemed to me that they took like 10 girls. Like they all went on like a, a trip. Like Joe and Peyton. The
0: ballet recital. The people in the
1: ballet Oh, recital. it's all the ballet girls. That's right.
0: Because that's why the, the, the teacher there. is also there.
1: Right. So they they all go to this, the, this princess section of a toy store. And there is – what I think is the best physical gag of this movie is the rock getting stuck in a chair while having a tea party. Yeah. It's adorable. Yep. It's just...
0: You can tell he's a, a good father because he's sitting in a tiny chair at a tea party. And then when <laughs> he gets up, the uh, chair sticks to his butt and everyone has a good laugh.
1: Whack, 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 whack.
0: <laughs> what else? We didn't really talk about this in the first act, and it kind of extends to the second act. But why is there so many gross food scenes? Oh, you're right. Can we, can we think of all of them? So right off the bat, Cooper is like... at his party and he's like chewing food and the teammates play some gag on him where they turn his teeth green and he goes and talks to ladies. But honestly, the green teeth wasn't, that wasn't even the most embarrassing part. It's the fact that he's like food is like falling out of his mouth because he can't keep it closed. It's gross.
1: Yeah. Cooper from start to finish is a teammate of, of Joe's and I think he's like a tight end or something. He's supposed to be the comedic relief, but really He's like like mentally disabled like he literally has a like an actual problem in this movie like he it's it's kind of jarring like when he's not just eating like an animal and completely falling for every joke and overacting in every single way every they have a montage where the whole team is running onto the field he falls it's like this guy, it's like every single thing. He has a, a, a can of Coke explode in his face. It's so weird. But And you're yeah. right. I know you mentioned the food. This one...
0: okay. And then we have the other scene. These
1: smoothies.
0: Yeah, the other scene the, with the blender. Oh, my God. The blender oh. with the smoothie. What? You want to talk about it? This, I know you don't want to talk about it because you were triggered by the tuna.
1: No, this really messed me up, this scene. This really... I, it's it's so gross, it's so gross. <laughs> what, Charlie? You gotta break it down. I can't. I, I don't even want to go. It's it like, is
0: so. Uh, he's making like a a protein drink. So, yeah, he's making like a protein drink, and he adds tuna to it. It's this gross-looking gray stuff, but he keeps telling Peyton about how, you know, uh, we don't eat uh, processed foods here. Uh, this has everything that you need. He blends it all together. He serves it to her. She doesn't really want to drink it. And she accidentally somehow turns on the blender without the lid on and this, like, gray goop that I can only assume smells like tuna everywhere. I mean, it's just one blender. And when they turn that blender off, this
1: – This is the grossest. This is just – it's it's just so gross. Like, I like, first of all, I'm upset. First of all, tuna smoothie, really? Like, that's not a thing. That is not – I assure you, you, no one is out there drinking tuna fish smoothies.
0: Number I don't d- think so.
1: There's no way. There's one, of the, no one of the reasons this way. movie
0: was kind of interesting to me is because I feel like this is kind of The Rock's life. He's obsessed with fitness and he, you know, and nutrition, and he's always working out, and he's got a daughter, like a young daughter. So, you know, uh, it probably wasn't just a huge stretch. Uh, for him to play this. But yeah, nobody's drinking tuna smoothies.
1: And this also happens in the most insufferable stretch of Peyton's behavior. Like this is, I, I will say up at this moment in time, Joe is trying to be a good dad. Yeah, she's being a brat. Like he is literally trying his best yeah. to be a good father at this yeah. in this moment. He's taken her around the team. He had, he, we see a scene where he's, it's clear that he's like set up the, the TiVo to record like Hannah Montana and all the children shows that she wants, and he always has like coloring books. Oh, for her. I
0: really enjoyed that scene.
1: The buzzer beater. Yeah, that, whole... that
0: scene where they're watching the Boston Celtics game. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. They're in so Paul Pierce, you know, shoots while the uh, while the clock is running out, and they all stand up. Because they're about to win the game, and then suddenly the DVR cuts to uh, like a little pony show <laughs> or something like that. I legitimately laughed about that.
1: It was cute. This movie really has a few that. moments like that.
0: But I will say that this is the second movie uh, that we've watched where The Rock takes a kid's performance and makes it about himself.
1: <laughs> You're right. This is this is his thing. Is just this is the the culminating ballet final recital for this class, and he finds he's he has to be front and center, getting all the applause, getting a huge bouquet of like, what what is his problem?
0: Yeah, I didn't really get that. This was her big moment. I mean, uh, on the the pro of this is you get to see him uh, dance around on, doing ballet. But yeah, the negative is it's like this is kind of supposed to be the little girl's big moment, and your whole story arc should be that you become less self-absorbed, uh, and this this isn't really cutting it. That now that all being said, he did he did okay in the ballet. Uh, one clip I want to play before we move on to Act Three is a uh, yet another song that we get in a Dwayne Johnson movie. Um, And then this time, just to kind of set the scene, Dwayne Johnson's uh, really shallow, really mean model girlfriend comes back from Paris and kind of confronts the little girl is really mean to her right in front of Dwayne Johnson, although he doesn't seem to be perceptive enough to notice. And he kind of takes his girlfriend's side uh, and says that, you know, she's being manipulative, playing games with him. And it's basically She's just like her mother um, And so at that point the little girl Runs into her room, locks the door And Dwayne Johnson knows he's made a mistake So what does he want uh, How does he want to fix it? Serenading her with an Elvis song Tonight
1: Are you sorry We drifted Apart Ooh. There's your mammal. Stray to a
0: bright sunny day
1: when I kissed you and called you sweetheart I wonder why I am singing this for when you will not even Open the door.
0: I don't want to see you.
1: Oh, man. That's, you know what? It's adorable. I love that. I love it. He's got a good voice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think it's a good moment. Uh, like I said, watching this movie, the first half, I kind of hit a point where I felt like I needed a break. But right when I hit that point, uh, it kind of turned into an actual... Uh, effective, heartfelt movie. And for me, this was kind of the pinnacle of that. I really enjoyed uh, him using part of his personality, which is liking Elvis and sort of using that and morphing that with his newfound parenting skills to uh, deal with his daughter. Yeah. This is
1: definitely when this movie uh, becomes a little more poignant, a little more emotional, a little bit sweeter, and begins to work a little bit better. And you're right. You mentioned the Elvis thing. That's something that we haven't really talked about. But his entire apartment is decked out in Elvis memorabilia. Uh, it's, you know, I think a cheeky play on his name as Joe Kingman.
0: Yeah, because he also calls himself the King. It's just
1: real obvious. And it's well, just real weird.
0: <laughs> more trivia in this movie. Uh, apparently, Dwayne Johnson approach the writers with this sort of part of his character's personality that he loved Elvis. And so that was his idea. And most of the memorabilia that he has in his apartment in this movie is actually Dwayne Johnson's. So he's got this giant (laughs) uh, Elvis movie poster. uh, That's his. He's got an Elvis Presley guitar. You know, that's his. All over the place. So, like, I really do feel like we're seeing... Dwayne Johnson's real life but just as a Disney movie. I think it's pretty funny.
1: Just another weird way that Dwayne Johnson is putting his weird personal touch on all of the movies he's in because it feels like he does this in every in everything. He finds a way to like personalize everything he does. And maybe that's why the characters he plays are usually so strong and interesting because there's a little bit of himself in each of them.
0: Yeah, I think he was like a relatively fleshed out character in this movie. I mean, we can address this more after act three, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: And, and with that, let's sprint through act three because I know we're getting we're getting tight here on timing. And basically, uh, if you were, if, if you were, were jumping back in after Peyton decides post hospital visit, she wants to go back and live with her aunt. So now Joe doesn't have her daughter. But he has one more game to win, the big game. Uh, There's a whole thing where they can't say Super Bowl or NFL. uh, So they remind us over and over and over again that Joe has to win the big game. The championship. Right. The huge championship. Can he do it? Wow.
0: When I'm getting ready for the big game, I like Totino's <laughs> Pizza Rolls to feed my hungry guys.
1: <laughs> this is all we talked about this morning was how this movie <laughs> reminded us of this SNL sketch with Vanessa Bayer. Oh, my God. It's so spot
0: on. I love it. I'm going to miss her.
1: Um, but jumping back in, we, we, we find ourselves in the middle of this big game and Joe's team is losing. And he gets knocked out with a huge hit right before halftime. He has a shoulder injury, and he says, "You know, I can't play. Don't put me in." At this moment in time, Peyton makes a surprise appearance in the locker room, and she explains that she only wanted to live with her aunt because she thought it was best for Joe. Uh, and so she's like, "You know what? Look, like you need. I'm here for you now. Like let's let's make this happen. I believe in you, Dad." They have a really beautiful moment right now of of Peyton and and Joe walking to the field. Um, which I think is actually one of the really cinematic achievements of this film. In Shadow, walking to the, I'm actually I'm gonna try and find a picture of that for Facebook. Um, but anyway, he comes back into the game, and they win. Uh, he passes the game-winning touchdown to the wide receiver that he kept avoiding earlier on in the movie, and he becomes a champion. And Peyton and Joe end up happily ever after, uh, daughter and father, and that's. How the game plan wraps up.
0: Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I thought it was interesting that the injury that he went out with in the movie as a separated shoulder, that's kind of what ended his collegiate football career at the University of Miami, is he got a separated shoulder. Oh, uh, so wow. kind of a nice little callback to his real-life football career. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the uh, part where they walk through the tunnel together. You know, throughout this movie, Peyton asks – joke the same question over and over uh she always asks hey what was the best thing that's ever happened to you in your life and he always answers it differently or with a joke but at the end of this movie she asks him one more time before he goes out on the field and he says the best thing that's ever happened to me is you so uh you see it coming from a mile away but it still hits you like a freight train
1: i was sobbing sobbing (laughs) at this point this 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 I think that the last fifteen minutes of this movie were near perfect. Like this whole sequence of her coming back, it was so cheesy. There were no logical rules being followed.
0: He walks through the field of play as it's going, <laughs> and Wait, he stands that's on the field.
1: That's an incredible, incredible decision by this by this director. That just he just you're right. He just comes out across midfield. During the game, he just decides that he's gonna play. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have no problem with that. Uh, you want to move on to superlatives?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's let's let's get our superlatives out there. There are so many fun things in this film. Let's start with a scene. He plays football. You think there? You know? You think the obvious one would be some shot of him training or working out? Uh, jokes on you. It has to be him. Doing ballet because he is disgusting and gross. When he's yeah, there's ballet.
0: this one part in the movie where the ballet teacher uh, and, and he are in an argument. He says, well, you know, ballet is not a real sport. And she goes, well, I bet you it's harder than football. So he does some ballet and then it smash cut to after ballet. He is so drenched. This might be the sweatiest scene of any Dwayne Johnson movie that I've ever seen. I mean, it is comedic. How much sweat is dripping off of him?
1: Yeah, it's 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 honestly like someone just was dumping buckets of water over his head while wall- like it's it's it so like he just weird. Did the
0: ice
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, he was supporting ALS in this film. But...
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously, why are we talking about uh, Sony? Yeah, we'll put that on Facebook as well. The next uh, superlative that we like to give out is "Big Rock Little World." Uh, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it's got to be the part where he's uh, having a tea party with the. Little girl's in the ballet class, and the ballet instructor gets his attention. He stands up, and the chair is stuck to his butt. Uh, It's hilarious. It's great. It's a good gag.
1: I will say, in a movie where the whole plot revolves around him being with this tiny little girl, there aren't many moments that exaggerate the size difference. Like, that really is the only— The first
0: scene with the two of them does it pretty well. He opens the door expecting to see, like, a hot lady— Opens the door after she knocks on it. He's only looking at his eye level. He's like, oh, I guess I didn't see anyone. Starts to close the door, and then you see that she's like, you know, all the way down there. So,
1: yeah, there, yeah. But it's, I just find it odd that in a movie where he's with this child, that there wasn't more made of that. It seems like a really easy bit.
0: Yeah, really, it was more of her being small rather than like her being small around all these giant football players. So like in the slow motion scene that you mentioned earlier, for some reason, they've given her her own jersey. (laughs) Uh, So she's walking across the field with the team in her own jersey. And it's adorable.
1: And then we get to best one liner. As we all know, Dwayne Johnson is known for his insane catchphrases. Uh, This movie was no exception. He was just spouting out weird stuff from start to finish. I was eating it up. Do you have a do you have a favorite favorite from this movie? I
0: I really like it's towards the beginning, but he's putting her to bed for the first time. She goes, "Read me a story," and you know what? As a brand new father and somebody who's not good with kids, he gives it a stab, and it's pretty funny. We can play the clip right here. Yeah,
1: the big bad wolf blew down the Grammys house and ate the Goldilocks, and then there was something about the uh, porridge. That end. So that's a... It's a, it's a brilliant quote. Um, I love the way he delivers that. It's so deadpan. It's, yes. <laughs> I, it's so funny. Honestly, it's a funny... If,
0: thing. Yeah, if you could... If you were asked me to make up one sentence that combined a bunch of fairy tales, I don't think I could come up with something better than this on the spot. So uh, something about the porridge, the end. Oh, it was great. I
1: really enjoyed it. And now we are at the end of our show, as is custom. We're gonna give a rating here. Uh, So, Charlie, when you think about the game plan, how many touchdowns out of ten
0: touchdowns does this movie get for you? I like. I said I really enjoyed the second half of this movie. I thought it was effective as a Disney movie. Uh, I kind of bought that they were bonding, and he kind they kind of look alike, so that was going for it too. Um, So if it were just the second half of this movie, I would say I would give it, you know, a seven or an eight. But the first half of this movie is so mind-bogglingly stupid. And you just go from one gag to another gag to another gag. It's all over the place. Every scene runs about 30 seconds longer than it should. It's unforgivable. So for that, I'm going to give it... uh, I'm going to give his performance a seven or an eight. But I'm going to give the movie as a whole a five. Five touchdowns out of ten.
1: So pretty, pretty strong words. Um, I I have to agree. I think that the Rock's performance far exceeds the quality of this film. He is by and away the best part of this movie. He is charismatic. He is funny when he has to be funny. He pulls on the heartstrings when the movie calls for it. Oh, you get you get a
0: crying scene, which is really rare for him.
1: Yeah, his 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 dynamic range in this film is everywhere and and I found it really impressive um, I have to say I think this is one of the more impressive rock movies um, as, as far as acting is concerned that we've covered yeah and so I would agree with you I think his performance I'd give it a solid eight close to a nine I would give it a close to nine based on the supporting cast and the script that he was working with um, I think that he crushed it as far as the movie I'll be a little bit more generous I really enjoyed this movie it, it is dumb uh, it is really, really, really silly and and overly reliant on on gags to get you through that first half, but I really find that second half of the film super redeemable. And like I said, I you know I fully got lump in my throat, tears swelling up. I fully bought the entire narrative arc at the end with her, with Peyton returning, um, and I was cheering them on when they won. So I'm gonna give it a seven. I'm gonna give this seven touchdowns.
0: But here's the thing. This movie is almost two hours long. This is an editing problem. They didn't need the first 45 minutes to be that long. So it should have been a much easier fix. Just cut it down to 90 minutes. This would have been a great movie. But they had had all the ingredients there and didn't execute. And for that reason, I can't forgive it for that. So Disney, I know you don't need my approval, but I'm not (laughs) giving it to you this time. Oh man! Uh, so
1: that just about does it for episode five of Rock Talk. We thought it'd be fun now, just because we're five episodes in, to quickly break down, give a real quick sense of the last five episodes we've looked at, and and just sort of give our thoughts on you know Charlie. What are the, what do you think of the movies that we've we've covered so far? That would be Fast and Furious Six, Pain and Gain, The Tooth Fairy, and uh, Moana. Mo- Moana, that's right, Moana, and and then of course the Game Plan. So. Where does, yeah. you know, what's kind of your
0: your thoughts on, on what we've looked at? Well, I'm going to rank them real quick. So uh, from best to worst of the ones that we've done, I got to go number one, Fast and Furious. Uh, Fast and Furious 6. Love it. It's great. Amazing. Then I'm going to go with Moana. I really enjoyed it. The music was great. Uh, number three, I'm going to go Pain and Gain. I Honestly, I thought maybe putting it at number two because I really enjoyed it. But the last half of that movie kind of f- falls apart for me. Uh, and then number four, I'm going to slot in the game plan it was real dumb and honestly if uh, we didn't already do the tooth fairy it would be in last place so the tooth fairy is my number five and if we do any more rankings like this it's going to probably stay in the bottom slot because i cannot imagine any movie being worse than the tooth fairy
1: yeah uh, tooth fairy is a stinker I'll, I'll i'll similarly start um this time from the bottom going up now, my least favorite movie uh, agreed tooth fairy uh Terrible, terrible film. Not enjoyable by any means. It's not a good bad movie. It's just a bad, bad movie. Number four on my list, that's gonna go to Ah uh, jeez. It's gonna go to it's gonna go to Moana. I
0: you jerk.
1: I just did not enjoy Moana outside of the singing. Um I really I loved the music. I really did. I love the animation. I loved the singing. But the story of that movie really did not resonate with me on any level. Number three is gonna be Pain and Gain. I really enjoy Pain and Gain. I think it's a lot of fun. It's Do you the... like The Game Plan more than Pain and Gain? Yes. Yes. What? Yes. To me, right now, as it stands, The Game Plan is my number two movie um, that we've covered. I think it has all of the makings of, of what The Rock has become as an actor. It shows all of his range so early in his career it marks this huge turning point for the kinds of movies he was willing to take on. I thought it was cute. I thought it was funny, adorable, a perfect family film. Made me cry, made me laugh. It really hit me on every single level. And of, and then, of course, number one, though, I have to give it to Fast 6, one of the more brilliant movies in the franchise. It's going to be hard to knock one of those off the top spot simply because got so much love for the Fast and
0: Furious series.
1: But that's, that's my list and I'm sticking to it.
0: All right, so that's going to be it for this week of Rock Talk. Join us in a couple more weeks. Until then, you'll hear from us on Facebook. We'll put a poll out there. You guys can choose uh, what movie you want to see for Episode 6.
1: Till next time, jabronis. We'll catch you later.